Hello, and welcome back to... Wait, you what? This is the last episode of the season. I'm going to have a break for a few weeks and work on getting some awesome guests in the meantime. So if you have anyone you'd like to hear from, any stories you'd like told, leave me a review and let me know. This episode is something a little different. I sat down with my friend and comedian Sam Taunton and we had a laid back and honest chat about whether comedians are sad, if being funny is an identity and whether the audience is the boss. So have a listen, find Sam Taunton on socials and enjoy it. I'll speak to you soon. Here's the episode. First question, what's the hardest you've ever cried? It's had started. No, that's that. Well, you can answer it, but no, no, that wasn't a real question. I watched watched Marley and me on a plane (laughs) and it all just came out. No, the end, the end of Pippi Longstockings when I was like four, that would be the real answer. All movie related. Never felt a real emotion in my life. (laughs) Well, Sam, my first question is how much of your validation in your life do you need from people thinking you're funny? Um, a lot. Heaps, <laughs> I reckon. It's really bad because I don't think that's what I went into comedy to do. Like, I don't think I, would, I wanted that when I started doing stand-up, but now it's like when that becomes like something that happens five or six times a week, when it's not there, it is a real huge hole in your life especially during the pandemic, I noticed that that I actually did think about that more during the pandemic when I couldn't do stuff. And then I was like, where no one's like laughing at me and telling me I'm cool. Um, You know, not that they even say I'm cool, but like that say, wow, nice work. Or you're really funny. How do you do it? That's amazing. When that's, when you, when you get used to that, I'm not saying that's any, I'm not on any of those things, but when you get used to that and then it disappears, that's when I was like, oh, this is probably not that healthy. To, to live my life wanting the validation. But whatever, I'm not going to do anything else. So um, I'm just used to it now. So during lockdown, even though you felt sad without it, you didn't you didn't laugh and tell yourself you were funny? No, because I don't think I'm funny. I think, no, I think I'm funny, but I only know that now from doing a lot of it. But I, but with the problem with doing stand-up specifically, like there's a lot of different types of comedy, but stand-up, which is kind of my wheelhouse, is like you can have heaps of funny ideas that you think are going to work, but but the audience ultimately is is correct and they will tell you which is the main funny bits and then you take their lead and you workshop it to make, like it's, it's kind of like a joint collaborative process. So it's like you have your ideas and then the audience will then shape that idea to what is kind of the funny thing. I mean, within lockdown, I just sat in a room and thought about what was funny, but without any feedback or validation, I was just a crazy person in my room. Doesn't that scare you, though, that the audience controls you and is your boss? Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It is like I was thinking about this literally just this week. I was doing these shows in the country and um, comedy festival roadshow shows, and, like, one show was a bit rough. Someone got heckled and... And everyone was kind of like a bit off it, but it's like they're, they're like the audience is correct. It's like no matter what you think, it could be the worst show and they're like, you're not funny. 
And you could be like, but I've done these jokes at different places and they work at like, I've got like actual data to suggest that you guys are incorrect because these jokes have worked a hundred times in different places before. But in that moment, they're right and you're wrong because you are not funny in the moment, if that makes sense, if they're not laughing. That is terrifying. There must be a feeling you get post a show like that where the audience has deemed you not funny. Is Are you very affected by that? I'm very numb to success and failure now when it comes to live performance, which which sounds crazy because I'm not getting, like, it's very rare for me to walk off ecstatic with life. Like, I can walk off and then I'll just be, like, checking my text messages, being like, what are we doing for dinner or whatever, which is crazy because it's like you might have just entertained 500 people. But then, but you need to kind of be like that because when it goes badly, you don't, um, you know, sit um, on the side of the bathtub with a toaster, you know. Like, so you need to, like, um it is a crazy emotional way a lot of comedians aren't very healthy probably I don't know but you have to find a way to um I guess um uh not negate but um just kind of control the emotional process because otherwise the highs and lows would be too much there is this stigma in comedy that well everyone's caught on now but you know since Robin Williams died RIP everyone's like wait a comedian's all just really really depressed that's such a good point a lot of them i don't know a lot of them are normal people the good ones are probably a bit weird i think it's like you've got to be a bit weird it's so time consuming as well do you know what i mean like it's like to be doing live comedy it's like you you do it more than probably most other live performances like you're you're a musician and you tour and stuff but it's like i mean you do a tour and you maybe do i don't know 10 or 15 shows or whatever and then you take a break whereas comedy kind of just never stopped you just kind of keep doing it every night and it does become very encompassing and I, I can see how people get sucked into the void and it's and it's not good a lot of comedians have like drinking problems and you know mental health problems but maybe no more than other creative people I don't know but Robin Williams really put it on the map that some comedians are sad <laughs> thanks Robin yeah shout outs to Robin Williams yeah big time yeah well I guess I can now that you've mentioned it. I remember coming off stage a few times after a few gigs and being like, "Wow, I hate my life and I hate everything." Was that because they went badly though? Yeah, like sometimes you know, in the early days, you get on stage, you're like, you're so pumped up with expectations, and then you perform to two guys, you know, and they just stand there with their arms crossed the whole oh, time, yeah. <laughs> and you're doing your best, and you feel like a dancing monkey. And you just get nothing from it. And then you walk off stage, you're like, wow, why am I doing this? But you can't, that's why I'm saying that you kind of need to like have a built in response to be able to protect yourself from it because the lows are as low as the highs can be high. How do you balance that? I think it's just like it's, it's more about the process as opposed to the result. Does that make sense? It does. Like I, I enjoy the process of doing stand up. And the little intricate bits of it and like working on jokes and putting together our shows and being in the moment, being present on stage. Like it's a very exciting experience. Um, and that's the thing that I've cottoned on to enjoying as opposed to the the crazy feeling of like validation and 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 like being like, oh my God, I just entertained people and made all these people laugh, which I'm sure some comedians do feel and and really get off on that. In the same way, I think a lot of musicians would. They'll be like, I just had these people eating out of the palm of my hands. But I don't know if that's sustainable um, in the long term. There's got to be more to the whole process that you're taking away from it. Because otherwise, I think it's so unhealthy to be like, I want to be God for like an hour, you know. 
when I was on um, radio, they had this thing where if you were talking to a comedian, you could never say, and coming up next, we have a really funny person named Blah. They're a comedian. You couldn't put in the audience's mind that this was a person who was here to be funny because they're a comedian. You could <laughs> say then, they're a comedian, but they, you couldn't say they're going to make you laugh. Is that because the text line would just be like, not very funny for a comedian straight away? Yes, because the Triple J audience would be like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? They think they're going to make me laugh? Well, fuck you then, and then just go <laughs> off. And I noticed because every now and then I'd slip up and say, a really funny person is coming up. Yeah. Um, and then that's when you get all the negative reactions. If you don't set someone up in people's minds as an entertainer, um, then they don't hate you for it that's such an interesting point people get so angry about comedy and I don't know why like they get so angry when something is not what they think is funny do you know what I mean like you just they just go crazy like you'll see it on like especially online a lot when people can you know comment or whatever but they'll be like where are all the funny comedians not funny or they'll be like not pushing boundaries hard enough or it's like this is offensive like both sides of all the arguments about what comedy is is like everyone's just so angry about it. Like it must be, I think comedy feels so personal to people that what they think is funny is funny, is the only funny. And 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 they're furious if, if someone is calling themselves a comedian and not fitting into that description of comedy. It's almost like we need to have an AGM about humour and then and create some genres and then say, hey, by the way, you can fit into these genres in the way it does in music because no one would say that Parkway Drive is is shit if they only like if you only love Parkway Drive, you're not going to say Mozart is terrible, but you would be like I don't like that, but I I acknowledge that other people love classical music. Whereas no one's doing that with comedy. Everyone's just like you're not fucking funny. It's true, and you know what? It's an ownership thing because I don't know. I always used to view it. I got the same thing on radio. I always used to view it as. Um, almost a compliment, easier said than done, but because people feel like they're part of something, yes. they feel like they have a right to say what they're saying, right? So the fact that they're saying you're not funny, you're shit, it means that they feel like they're part of comedy or part of your set enough yeah. to have an opinion on it. Absolutely. And I think the thing, the radio thing as well, the ownership over the audience particularly with you working on Triple J, is on another level. It's like they, not only do they feel they have ownership over the station because it's like this kind of iconic Australian taxpayer-funded establishment, but also it's like they think they know music and they think they know funny and they've listened to Triple J for the last 20 years or whatever. So it's like to them they're like couldn't be more qualified, could not be more qualified, and you're just someone that's sitting in the, they, they probably think they're doing you a favour and helping you out by like, like advising you on why you're not funny or why you're talking about something they don't want to listen to. But it's very critical. It's very critical feedback. Yeah. And I mean, who's to say in some ways that they're wrong? As you said, like you're owned by the audience in terms of if you're not being funny and they say that, then they're right in that moment. Like probably not to the same extent because some of the feedback you get from being on a national broadcaster is actually just hate speech. It's not um, <laughs> feedback. <laughs> um, but excluding the hate speech, like 
they are used to a certain thing and they do have an idea of what to expect and they've probably listened to Triple J longer than you have. <laughs> yeah, it is totally like, yeah, it's like you can't discard all of it. It's like um, the hate speech stuff, it's kind of like you have to. And I would be fascinated to know how you were able to detach from that because it hate is difficult to. But the second part is, it's like you do, it's like, you know, there's probably, if a lot of people are saying the same thing, you've got to be like, oh, there's maybe something in this you know what i mean and that text line should be studied someone should do a phd on it on triple it's actually got like <laughs> live data of how a certain demographic in australia is feeling at all times like you could track the mood of a nation mm. through that text line of people aged between 12 and 50 or something and how they're reacting and what's going on in the world like it's it's incredible but how did you detach from the hate well the problem is that um like with anything, it's probably just a loud minority that is texting in a certain yeah. thing. And maybe you're the same with um, people at shows. Like there's maybe a couple people in the audience who hate you or hated your set or heckle you or whatever. They're the loud minority. Yeah. And you can't necessarily uh, say, I'm going to trust what you're saying because you speak for everyone. I truly believe that the text line would mostly be probably men above 30 and it's not necessarily the audience that you are trying to connect with and I think it's like the loud minority thing I think you're totally right it's like who are the people that would vocally go out of their way to like be like this sucks so it's got to be so it's kind of like the anti-vaxxer thing it's like they were so loud they were protesting and then look at the vaccination rates it's like (laughs) tiny they've got the best pr you know what i mean (laughs) all these people that are mean online are like really good at getting their voice out there like really good when you look when you break down how many people actually feel that way true teach us how i would like to use that method yeah (laughs) absolutely um absolutely it is just yeah it is i just i think it's like that's a good way to look at it but it's still it still must, it still stings at the start when people are mean to you, I think, publicly or whatever. Like it still does take a while to, at least with comedy, when you start and you bomb, it really hurts. But then you do build up a shell or you critically can be like, hey, this isn't completely accurate. There's more to it than this. How how much of being a comedian is your identity? If you weren't, if you were suddenly taken away from you, what would happen? Mm, that's a great question because I've experienced it in lockdown. Because it's like, you know, like a lot of people, a lot of industries manage to just kind of segue or move into another area or work from home or whatever, stand-up comedy, which is kind of what I put all my eggs into, like to be like I'll spend 15 years getting really good at stand-up and then, you know, then it's like my live product will be better than other people's products that might have a bigger online following or something. But when people come to my show, they'll come back because it's like, it's going to be better. That was like my thought process. Um, And then the pandemic hits and you can't do it. And you're like, well, what the fuck was that plan? That's been the worst thing ever. So, and I think it was, it was hard. Like my, like, I would say my, yeah, my identity is completely tied up into it. I don't know what I would do. And that's what the the pandemic hit. And it was like, I did start having other thoughts. I was like, well, maybe, um, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I could I don't know go back to uni or like whatever. I don't know what I mean. These are crisis moments, but um, and it's I don't just do stand up. Like I do writing for things and I'll do other stuff. But it's like, yeah, it's I would say entirely my um, 
my identity is tied up in it being funny and it's not um I, it's actually something I'm working on as a person to try to detach myself from the two yes how are you working on that I guess trying um to not think of everything through the lens of funny if that makes sense being like I should do this also just like having a moment and thinking about wanting to do something for me that doesn't directly help the the funny thing or the comedy thing that I want to do because the problem is it's like it's also my favorite thing it's like my hobby my job and then it kind of becomes my identity and then it's like because so not healthy to then funnel it all into that do you know what I mean and then it's like the most extreme example is then a, a global virus hits, and then the one thing that you put everything into is not long no longer there it's like yeah straight away you get to be like all right cool I've got to work out what else I like to do or who else I am besides that thing. So not seeing through things through the lens of funny, is that a mental thing? You have to change the way that you speak to yourself in your brain? Yes, because there's more important, yeah, totally. There's more important things than being funny. So it's like in my head I have to be like, don't don't think about, yeah, you could go there and, and do this show or this would be a great story or like, or like because so much of my comedy writing is just thinking but it's like also not healthy thinking. So it's like, cause you're, you're, you're thinking hypotheticals about the world and like how to m- kind of, I don't know, manipulate something to be funny. So it's like, yeah, just trying to just stay in the moment and like let the world wash over you as opposed to trying to like think about the best angle for like, you know, to get a joke in or to like be funny or, or what you can do with something in the future. Like just, just to be, just to exist a bit more is what I'm, what I'm trying to do because yeah, I think, um, yeah. And I think a lot of pe- comedians are tied up in the whole idea of being funny because it's also a good personality trait. People all, often love it when you're like, Hey, this is my friend. They're a funny person. You can take them to a dinner party and just don't worry about them. They'll be funny. They'll be talking. So it's like, you get it. You don't get addicted to it, but you're like, you don't see it as a bad thing in any way. So I'm I'm just working on, you know, just trying to be a more rounded person that separates work from personal life. Mm, yeah, I can imagine it would be hard to be present and mindful when you've trained yourself your whole life to be observant, analytical, critical when you're in an experience. Yeah, totally. So it's like in a, being in a social experience and then resisting the urge to, because it's like like to make a joke or like, turn it into a joke to try to keep everyone happy where you're like, you don't actually have to do that. This is more probably my negative personality traits, but it's like, you don't always have to do that to keep people interested. Like people will just be interested in you, not the funny thing. I guess it's a, well, I don't know how you see it, but it feels like a people pleasing mechanism in a lot of ways, making sure you're entertaining people in every interaction at any point. Well, look, my parents broke up when I was young, if that has anything to do with it. Probably. And I think a lot of comedians' parents, I think a lot of comedians probably come from, um, I know I know just a lot too, from like a pretty like unstable childhood and feeling the need to kind of like, I mean, yeah, just putting your worth in the funny thing to try to please people is um, a pretty common thing. And I think, it, yeah, I think it does at its core come not all the time because, you know, people find their way into things from different backgrounds and whatever. But, yeah, I think a lot of the time the urge to please people and some kind of uncertainty is is really at the forefront of making people laugh. It's a defence mechanism that little Sam picked up. 
Little Sam, I was pretty funny when I was a kid, I think, as well. Like I won in year 10, I won funniest kid at the year 10 formal. You never told me that, Sam. I had a certificate. Yeah, I know. That's pretty cool, huh? I forgot about that. I was destined for this mediocrity that I have in my <laughs> career right now. <laughs> Um, so have you tried meditating? I hear that's good for being present. Oh my God. What is this? Yeah, I have <laughs> tried meditating and I, do, I don't like it, but I would love to get better at it. Have I told you about my pitch for a male therapist? Because men struggle to go to therapy and stuff. So if I was a therapist, I would, I would just like set up my office at a pub and just have a beer with the pub. So it's like you come to therapy and we have a beer at the pub. And then the man wouldn't get embarrassed going to therapy. He could just tell his friends that he's going to meet a mate for a beer. And then you have an hour. And you had, I mean, it would be bad for the therapist because he's probably going to drink eight beers in a day. So that's not <laughs> sustainable. But I think you'll get more men into therapy. Yeah, I actually think there's something in that. Um, yeah, apart from the fact your therapist is an alcoholic and probably <laughs> can't give you much advice <laughs> because they need advice themselves. He's just blind drunk. Halfway through the third session, he's like, dude, should we put 20 bucks in the pokies? <laughs> the guy's like, my wife just left me, man. Like, do we have to talk about this over where's the gold? Yeah, maybe I could be a therapist. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, like it is, um, it is, it is all, it's all fun. But it's an exciting time in the world, you know. The world, I don't know when this podcast goes back out, back out, or out, maybe in like 10 years. But right now, Australia feels somewhat open and it's very exciting. So you're happy at the moment? I'm so happy at the moment. It's crazy. I haven't been happy for five years, but right now I'm happy. <laughs> Is that legit? <laughs> um, no. I mean, whatever. No. I mean, it goes through, like all things, up and down. But I'm definitely happy at the moment. I've just been travelling around doing stand-up again. Missed it quite a lot. And it does look like the light at the end of the tunnel of this whole COVID thing. So that's exciting. So, yeah, I planted some seed in my backyard. The grass is growing. It's like things are looking up, Erica. <laughs>